All right. The text line. So we've got a dueling Wes Anderson film take. So the first one says, Dan, it's a Wes Anderson movie and Asteroid City and it sucked. Or I've seen every Wes Anderson movie and Asteroid City and it sucked. So I don't know if this texter saying some Wes Anderson movies are good and Asteroid City. This other texter says, Dan, it's a Wes Anderson film, not for everyone. Rushmore is his opus. Will uh, Bill Murray. And yeah, so the this one also has the same, what's his name? Jason Schwartzman or whatever, <clears throat> um, which I think was also in Rushmore, right? I knew going in it was going to be something different. I just thought it was going to be something different and entertaining. It was just every every scene, it was like, okay, here's a scene, and it's mildly, it mildly held my interest, this scene. Okay, next scene, same thing, mildly held my interest. Next scene, mildly held my, like, like just barely interesting at all. And the whole movie was just like that. And, I, and so at one point, I don't know, Colin, if you've ever been through a movie like this, you're like, well, am I just dumb? Like, is this like a masterful work of art and I'm missing the boat or what? Right? Like, like I don't know, man. Like, you know, like if, you know, if, if you and I were to go to an art museum and they have like a masterpiece on the wall and I'm sure, Colin, you and I would look at it and we go, I don't get it. I'd be like, okay. Okay, yeah. good job. Yeah. Uh, do you got numbers? Because I could follow if it was like paint by numbers. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, is this movie like some big masterpiece that like I'm missing? Because to me, it's just like, you know, because some movies like, here's a good example. Like Interstellar was not a great movie, right? But at the end, my, like my daughter, my youngest daughter just saw it and it blew her mind. Like the twist at the end. And it kind of really messed her up a little bit. She's like, wow, Dad, could you imagine if this and that? And I'm like, yeah, you know, Interstellar's kind of a unique movie, right? Thought-provoking. Yeah, thought-provoking, whatever. Um, interesting. The one with Sixth Sense was one of those, right? Yeah, I never you saw know, it, but yeah. Okay, where, yeah, I mean, it's like it makes you think sometimes. You're like, oh, oh, that's what happened the whole movie. Exactly. Or, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction is one of those... Um, Trying to, but you know, one of those with, um, you know, f- uh, Fight Club, for example, great one. Yes. And, and in the end, you're like, aha, wow, you know, something like that. Like this one is like, no, man. Like the whole thing is just like, uh, oh, it just wasn't for me, man. Um, let's see what else we got here. Somebody was saying, so this is interesting. Now I don't eat salmon, but uh, you know, we talk about a lot of food on the show. We were just we opened the show talking about, um. You know, we had the barbecue company and everything. Somebody says, um, marinate your salmon. Now, you're a chef, Colin. Marinate your salmon in Dr. Pepper overnight. And he sent some pictures in. I mean, I, I would say interesting, but I'm also not a salmon fan. Uh, I had just too much of it over too long of a time. Not a fan anymore. So give me a lot of other fish. You know, give me some sea bass, but salmon... That's pretty much a pass. Yeah, I just don't do hardly any seafood uh, at all. So, like, I tried my, my my buddy's like, oh man, I make the best salmon. You gotta have my salmon. And it looks it looks delicious. It looks beautiful. And then I went and ate it. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, man. It's just too fishy. I used to love. That's what she said. <laughs> salmon patties. 
Growing up, my dad, you know, the fried pan, you know, I used to love that, and I just I just don't dig the salmon anymore. I like this one on the RamosLaw.com text line. James is an okay dude. He just needs more fiber in his diet. That sounds like something Irv would say, Irv Brown. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this one says, I love James, and he is so right. Talking, I guess, probably talking about, I don't know if he was talking about the Broncos or um, – Bruce Brown and, and the Nuggets and all that and keeping receipts. That's from Stephen and Frederick. Another one I wanted to talk about Russell Wilson. It says, uh, not being heavy could mean injuries are more likely to. Well, that's another thing that I was thinking about when James was talking about Russell Wilson and he's going to be better. I think we made a, a lot out of the Russell Wilson losing weight thing. You, you know, James is saying, well, he was heavier because he was, like, built to be a pocket quarterback or whatever. First off, Russell Wilson is – is the thing is, when Russell Wilson was at his best in Seattle, he did run more, he did scramble, and we saw that he did do that more. One, he got a, a nasty concussion. Uh, he did get injured at various parts of the year. We could see more of that. And I just never bought into this, oh, he was fat. He worked hard. There's this thing that he's working harder. It's a little bit of a misnomer. And I, he was always bragging about how hard he worked. His teammates last year always talked about how hard he worked. We saw the high needs on, on the plane. I don't think Russell Wilson's struggles last year were a question of effort. And James was talking about, oh, everybody's talking about Russell Wilson couldn't make the plays anymore. Well, did you see... The play late in, I think he said it was, I don't remember which play he bought, uh, brought, but he says, uh, James mentioned, but he, he made this play that only probably eight other guys in the league could make. That's true. And then I saw against the Rams, was that on Christmas Day or was it Christmas Eve? It was Christmas. The, the Rams was Christmas, and he was referring to the pass to Jerry Judy in okay, the, yeah. the last game. Yeah. yeah, the last game. Well, on Christmas Day, there was a classic in years past Russell Wilson play that only Russell, you know, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers may make, right? Where guy's got a step downfield, he rolls to his right, bam, throws it right on the money, and it's a 50-yard touchdown. And I'm watching the play, and I'm like, there it is, man. He's got it. He's got, I think it was Jalen Ramsey beat. He's got it. And he was just a, he was just a half step late, and he threw the ball late. It wasn't like the ball didn't get there. He just didn't. He It was like a boxer that can't pull the can't throw the punches anymore like he's just late with the punch and by the time he got around to getting the ball down there Jalen Ramsey I think caught up and intercepted it if not just knocked the ball down but it was a touchdown I don't think that Russell Wilson has fallen off so much that he can't you know play in the league anymore but he's just not what he once was now is Sean Payton going to help Mask that like like if you believe Pete Carroll, like they'd been doing that for the last several years as it was. Like he had been falling off for a long time and they had just masked it, right? Can I play devil's advocate real yes. quick? All right. So with that, and you're talking about LA at the end of the season. Now, 
Russell Wilson is coming into this season in shape. Do you think he felt like he was behind kind of the eight ball already because he wasn't in shape? He wasn't able to do some of the things he had in past years. But going into camp now, being more in shape, he's not playing from behind from the start. You know, he's going to have the coach will actually be in his ear this time rather than the first time he hears the play call in his headset game one, you know, in really hostile territory. Do you feel like maybe Russ coming into camp this year, he's ahead of schedule, whereas last year he was behind schedule, so he's not playing catch-up on all these multitude of things, you know, where at the end of the season we saw some bright glimpses. I don't see those earlier on. Yeah, no, I don't don't buy into the fact. I don't buy into he wasn't in shape. I think he was in shape last year. Is he a little bit? (laughs) You know what's funny about, like, like guys like us saying, ah, he's, he's fat. Like, if you would have seen Russell Wilson take off his shirt last year, I certainly would have been like, yeah, God, I wish I looked like that, right? Like, dude, most of us, if we took off our shirts, you know, would look nowhere near as good as Russell Wilson probably looked last year. Ain't right? no doubt about it. Right? Like, he wasn't fat. This is just stupid to talk about he was fat. Was he a little? Because they, they took up pictures of him from when he was 22 years old. And what's he now, 34 Right. Yes. Uh, somewhere. Right. Somewhere uh, out there. It's not fair. Yeah, he was a little bit. He had a little bit more, you know, bit, you know, a, a, a coat, winter coat on him. Whatever. I don't like like cardio wise. I don't think he was out of shape. I don't think he was out of shape at all. And maybe he had a little more muscle on him because he wanted to, you know, take some hits. He thought he might take some hits in the pocket because one, he knew the offensive line he was going to be playing for, and two, he thought he was going to. He wanted to be a pocket passer. He didn't want to. He'll be running anymore and taking the big hits. I don't know. Now, he was he was receptive to the criticism, and he said, all right, I, that's one thing I don't want to deal with anymore. I don't want to hear about it. And so he's trained differently to give the appearance that he's in better shape and that he's thinner. Okay, from an on-the-field perspective, do I think it matters that much? No, I'm just not buying into it because I think he worked hard last year, and I think he had personal trainers and personal chefs, and uh, you know I don't think I don't think like his blood sugar was you know wrong because he was you know eating candy all the time and his diet was bad, and so his performance on the field was negatively impacted because his glucose was bad or anything like that. I think it was just a media narrative that's always fat and that's why he can't play. I think it's different. I think I think for whatever reason I don't know just like why. Why can, like, here's a good example. Shane Mosley, for example, was a really good boxer, right? He got later in his career, and he looked like he was in phenomenal shape, like no muscle fat, you know, I don't know, 4 or 5% body fat, whatever. And every time you think, well, he's coming back, you'd always have an excuse why his life, like, like he, he, he was the closest ever, even when he was older, like, like you know, like, Floyd Money Mayweather figured it out. He's like, I will fight big names after they're washed, right? I'll wait till Oscar De La Hoya's washed, and then I'll fight him. I'll wait till um, Shane Mosley's washed, and then I'll fight him. I'll wait until Manny Pacquiao. I'll wait five or six years until he's washed, and then I'll fight him for all the money, right? He was very smart about that, right? Well, he did the same thing with Shane Mosley. Like, he never fought a, a prime Shane Mosley because he, he knew that may not go his way, but he fought... Shane Mosley, when he was, I don't know, 36, 37 years old, and he couldn't pull the trigger anymore, and Shane Mosley still tagged him and almost knocked him down, right? But Mosley 
throughout the fight, you know, in his later years. So every fight you would think, oh, he's coming back. And he just talked about it. He just said, I just couldn't, I just can't pull the trigger. I don't know. Or something, injury in my neck, blah, blah. It was always an excuse. But at some point, you'll watch these one-time great fighters, and they just couldn't do it. They just couldn't pull the trigger anymore. If they're just a half step too slow. And I don't think like Russell Wilson is, you know, completely just can't play anymore. But I think the decline has started. Now we will find out this year how steep the decline is because everybody wants to scapegoat um, Coach Hackett and all the other play callers that they brought in, Kubiak and everybody out and everybody, right? They just want to completely scapegoat them and give Russell Wilson almost none of the responsibility, it seems like. Well, you can't do that now with Sean Payton because he has the credentials. So we're going to find out. All we can do is wait and see. What I've heard, though, is, which is interesting, is everybody that was killing him last year and had completely given up on him last year was completely destroying him last year. Now, all of a sudden, simply because Sean Payton's here, we're starting to hear the same media narrative again, you know, again, that happens every year. Oh, all is better now. Offensive line's fixed. You don't know that it's fixed until you see that it's fixed. Because I've heard this offensive line is, quote, fixed. It's better for at least the last three years now. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. And it gets worse almost every year. Do I expect it to be better this year? I expect it to be better this year, but I don't know that until I see it. I'm not just taking in whole cloth because because I just don't trust it. We'll have to see on that one. And do I expect this Broncos team to be better? Yeah, but I want to be fair to them because I don't think it's fair to them to be showering them with these expectations about, well, you know, their playoff team and this and that. Like, they haven't, they, nobody wants to, we we have this bias. Like, James was talking about Cortland Sutton and he, he hasn't quite gotten back to where he was. And nobody wants to admit that where Corland Sutton was at his best was about a top 20 wide receiver. Top 20, not top 5, not top 10, not even close to top 10, top 20. That's what he was at his very best, and he hasn't been close to his very best the last two years. So even if he has, he gets back to where he was, he's barely, and, and, I, don't, and I don't think he's, I don't think that's realistic for him to be back to where he was at his best. And even then, he's a, what? He's, uh, okay, so he's a top 25 wide receiver. So what? And what do we expect with Jerry Judy? Maybe he could be the same? And, and we're going to expect Tim Patrick, who, again, at his very best, was better than Cortland Sutton, but not a top 10 guy, really probably not a top 15 guy. And he's going to come back directly off a knee injury and just be fine? Javante Williams? As the running back, just going to be fine? Like, it's not fair to have ridiculously sky-high expectations for the Denver Broncos simply because Sean Payton is coming back, coming here. It's it's fair to say they're going to be better and probably a lot better, but it's a process. And I think that is the more fair expectation and it's more fair to the organization. And it's, you know, it's, it, I think we'll have a much better experience viewing them and going into the season if we're not just constantly disappointed. By the way, one, and we're going to have Matt Smith coming up next. Um, but somebody says, we're talking about that throw. Uh, James, like, there's, 
you know, very few quarterbacks that can make that throw. Somebody says, well, Mahomes can make that play. And that got me thinking, yeah, Mahomes can make that play, and Josh Allen can make that play, and Justin Herbert can make that play, and Joe Mur- Burrow can make that play. Like, in the AFC, there's a lot of guys that can make that play, two of them in the division. Like, at best, Russell Wilson, even if Sean Payton gets him back, at best, he's the third best quarterback in the division, I would say. All right, uh, lots of good stuff we're talking to, uh, talking about Matt Smith. Coming up next. Show and it's all over the place. Uh, I was on the drive yesterday, Matt Smith. How are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing well, Dan. How are you doing this morning? Thanks for can that be my new uh, uh, entrance music? But you know how Don Rickles had that song whenever he went on a late night show. I feel like that needs to be my song whenever I come on your show. Yes. Um, so you're excited? Is the new movie out yet? You're kidding, right? Yeah. No, I That's heard you talking about right? it. Did it come out last night? That new movie's out last year, Dan. No, Have you been the, living under a rock? No, no, not not, not Maverick, not Top Gun, but you were talking about oh, the new Mission. Mi- no, Mission, Mission is Possible. coming out uh, uh, 11 days, 10 days. Oh, 10 days. All right, cool. The new yeah. Indiana Jones is out. I'm going to go see that. Do You might not want to waste your time. From all the reviews I've read, it is absolutely horrendous. Really? Yeah. I would probably wait for that one on streaming. Okay. See, we were talking about earlier in the show, I went to go see Asteroid City. My wife made me take a day off. Oh, a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. See, I'm not familiar with this cat, but so I'm watching this whole movie. I almost walked out, and I'm just like, there's got to be a payoff at some point. The only reason I stayed, and there was no payoff ever, man. What's going on? No, of course not. No, no, no. It's Wes Anderson. That's his whole thing. His whole thing is to torture the audience and never pay it off? They're all the same movies. I'm surprised you've never seen a Wes Anderson movie before, like The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, The Royal Tannenbaums. They're, they're all that exact same tone. I, I don't. I, so I'm sitting there going, is this like like a piece of art where yeah, I'm basically. just like, like I'm supposed to, there's something, some deeper thing here I'm supposed to appreciate that I'm just not getting or what? No, no, that's it. It's just, it's supposed to be like an art piece. You know, it's where, it's where A-list actors go to be ironic. I feel like Wes okay. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. There was all these great actors in it and there was just nothing good. It was just like. Just enough to keep you from walking out, but never any real good payoff. No good ending. You know what's funny is when you get more than five to six A-list actors in a film, maybe ten tops, it can't be good. It just can't be good. That's a universal law. It cannot be good. Well, I'm trying to think. Pulp Fiction was phenomenal, right? I'm talking about like a bunch of them, Dan. Okay, but you had, in that one, you had Samuel L. Jackson, John Travolta, Bruce Willis. Um, what was the lady? Uma Thurman. Is she A-list? I don't know. At the time, she probably yeah, was. Yeah, of course. Right? I mean, there's four right there. Um, I mean, there were a lot of really good actors in that movie. Okay. That's pretty good. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but you're in general, you're probably right. There were 10 A-list actors in that. Well, maybe there were. Christopher Walken was in it. Yeah, okay. All right. Kaitel, Bing Rains, maybe maybe like looking back on it, sure. But that movie was made a long time ago. Yes, it was. Yes, it was, sir. Um, so I'm listening to you on the. I'm 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 really reaching here because you've just been so well behaved recently. 
But um, I'm listening to the, the drive yesterday. You're doing a good job with uh, Derek Wolf, And you kind of gave a big pass to a lot of people because you said, what were the Broncos' struggles last year? And you guys did math, which was very impressive of you. And you yeah. said, uh, uh, where would you lay the blame? You said, well, 30% on Hackett, uh, no, 60% on Hackett maybe, and you know Russell Wilson and injuries, and everybody else gets a pass. It was just, that's it? It was all, well, I mean, all injuries, I mean, Russell, and Hackett. <laughs> Look, Sam, uh, sometimes you just got to make it from segment to segment. You, okay, know how it is. Okay. you know how it is. I'm not the one giving opinions. I think, I think Wolf was doling out the blame there. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were setting him up, but no, you give plenty of opinions out there. So, um, well, here's I, a, just, I think I reserved in that segment. I think we had to keep it moving. Okay. Well, here, here's the question that we've been talking about today. I just don't, I'm just not buying into this whole narrative that Russell Wilson was this big fat guy that drank beer all the time and was out of shape. I, I, I think we're putting too much stock into it. He looks better now. I think he said he's in, all right, I, I don't like hearing about it anymore, so I'm going to I'm gonna work out a little differently so I look better. But I, Russell Wilson always works hard. I don't think he was in bad shape last year, and that's why he wasn't good at football. But I would love to get your opinion on it. You know, that's that it's not necessarily bad shape. It's just what what shape you're in. What are you going for? Are you trying to be a little bulkier so you can maybe last a little bit longer and hold up in the pocket if you're going to stand in there and take some hits, right? Or are you trying to slim down a little bit so you can be more agile? It doesn't necessarily mean you're in bad shape one way or another. I mean, look, he's a professional athlete. However, I don't know how you could possibly say after watching last season that he was in peak athletic condition last year. I mean, he was also hurt, but he was sluggish and slow when he was running. He didn't look like himself. And I think the biggest goal this year for him this offseason was to get back to being himself, was to get back to being mobile. Because as we saw last year, if, if he can't use his feet to his advantage, then we have a real problem here in Denver because he's not a, you know, deliver from the pocket quarterback. He, he was 21st in the league last year in clean pocket accuracy. But he was also sixth in the league in pressured throws. So he constantly had pressure in his face. And when he didn't, he wasn't very accurate. So I, I think when you couple that with the fact that he was slow and he, he couldn't get away, considering he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and a lot of them were his responsibility, you had to make some changes. And I think he's made some changes this year. But, you know, I think that the shape he's in at the end of the day is probably going to have very little to do with the success they have it's more about who's pulling the strings this year. Interesting. All right. Um, I wanted to have you on also to, so about, a, I guess it was a week ago, or was it two weeks ago I had you? I think it was two weeks ago I had you on, and they made their first move, and you weren't exactly in love with it, um, yeah. but you said they had a lot more work to do, and they've done a lot more work. Talk us through what they've done and how you feel about it, the Avalanche. Talk about the Avs, yeah? Yeah, the Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they haven't done anything today. NHL free agency opened two and a half hours ago, and they haven't done a thing. Um, now, I wouldn't be able to tell because Elon's wonderful Twitter machine is still down, uh, which is a bit of a cluster right now. But they you're haven't not done spending anything. enough money Ryan on it. went to well, Nashville. Well, you're not spending um, enough money on the Twitter machine, that's all. What's that? You're just not spending enough money on the Twitter machine. Uh, you know what? If that's what it is, he can whistle for it. So we, <laughs> we can go back to the newspaper, Dan, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Brian O'Reilly went to Nashville today. Four years, four and a half million. 
Um, that was a, a target that a lot of people thought maybe this time around because they didn't have a lot of great options. But, you know, I was never too high on that. I just, I mean, unless they did a one-year thing where they were running it back with some of these guys. But the, the comment that I heard made at the draft the other night was, was them talking about needing to build on one-year deals. Well, guess what NHL players don't want? One-year deals. You don't get paid a lot of money in the NHL. Players are looking for term over everything. So the Avs are kind of just trying to piecemeal it together this year, it looks like. I don't know what's going on over there at the moment. But I like the Ross Colton deal. I like the value that they added, you know, in return for Alex Newhook's restricted free agent rights. You you, you, you didn't want to pay him at all. I, I was really nervous that they were going to. And then they added Ross Colton, who I think will be a really valuable member of this team for a while. They'll get him done to a deal here, I'd imagine, in the next week or so. But outside of that right now, they really haven't done anything. I mean, they, the draft picks that they used the other night, the two first-rounders, could have been assets. And they must not have found a good you know, partner and, and didn't like the return in value or felt like they were, they were leveraging too much because you know, they've got some really clear holes on this team and they haven't addressed them yet. But it's a bit of a weird NHL free agency, and I can't help but wonder if the Twitter thing actually isn't having an effect on it at all because it, it happened just about simultaneously when free agency started. So. Man, you sound like a conspiracy guy. I don't know about a conspiracy. I just think the transfer of information. We rely on Twitter for a lot, especially in, in, in that industry. So, All right, so you said they got a lot more to do. Tell me, Matt Smith gets the call. Sackick and McFarland. they say, Matt, we're calling you up. We need your help. What should we do here? What do you I'd tell say them? give me the Rolodex and let me start making some calls because <laughs> I don't know who's available. I mean, it's easy for me to sit back and say, hey, you should call this guy and call this guy. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of players in Calgary I, I got, I'd have my eye on in Elias Lindholm and Mikhail Backlund, Patrick Kane I'd also be monitoring as well. I did hear a report that there are several contenders interested in him among Dallas. And what we know about Kaner is that two years ago at the deadline, I mean, I was pounding the drum for months leading up to it, and they they reached out to Chicago, but Kane's no move trade allowed him to have the power to say he didn't want to leave. And now he just had hip resurfacing surgery, so he's gonna be out a few months. But if you can get him at a cost-controlled deal, they really need a facilitator on that second line. If you have Johansson and Juskin on there, you really need somebody who can make plays for others and, and be a producer. And that's what he would bring. But they also then said that they wanted to get grittier. Okay, well, if you want to get grittier, Ryan O'Reilly's a great target. But at the same time, you know, now he's off to Nashville, four years, four and a half. Matt Duchesne got waived yesterday. Absans absolutely despise him now at this point. I think they'd get over it. He's still a heck of a player. But I don't know if that would really be a realistic fit here anymore. I don't know that they would want to do that. Um, th- there are plenty of options left on the board, but they're starting to dwindle rapidly. There's Jesper Fast went back to Carolina. I would have loved the fit. Although I'll give Avs Abs fans one name to keep their eyes on, and that's Miles Wood out of New Jersey. You know, really a third-line guy, middle six, but, man, he's, he's nasty. He can play well offensively. His defensive game is okay. But they need a little bit more of what he brings to the ice and the sandpaper finish, big hits, you know, just a, a little bit more character now that Landis is going to be missing his second consecutive year. You need to find some toughness. All right. Well, that's a good transition for us because um, we had talked about it, but I continue to hear it this uh, this week. The comparison, Nazem Kadri to Bruce Brown now departing. He got his money. He went. He went to the Pacers. To me, I just, I know everybody's like, oh, my God, Bruce Brown, we got to panic and this and that. To me, for the way the Nuggets are built, 
nowhere near as difficult to replace as the Avs still have yet to replace the type of impact player Anaz was to the championship team the Avs were. And I hear you still saying they still ha- are still searching for ways to replace that. They have a lot of work to do even a full year later. Um, for me, I just think the way the Nuggets are built, it's going to be a lot easier to just fill what he did, even money ball wise, right? Like, okay, in the aggregate, what did Bruce Brown do and how do we fill that? And I just think it's a lot easier. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, replacing what Kadri brought to your lineup is a much more Herculean task than replacing what Bruce Brown brought to the lineup. And certainly at the price tag that Indiana got for him. I mean, 22 and a half for a year is, is nuts. He's got a second year on that deal. I think it's an option, though. So, look, I, the, the, the Nuggets, rather, weren't going to come anywhere close to paying that for him. And, and there's some options, except for yesterday. I don't know. The one move that really didn't make any sense to me was re-signing Reggie Jackson to a two-year, $10 million deal, about $5 million per year. I get it, but they don't have a ton of cap space. So if that's their Ish Smith replacement, then that He was going to retire. We had Jake Shapiro Dan, on. Dan, Dan, I don't know what they were doing over he there. He said with he was going to quit. Yeah. He was going to hang him up because he was done. He just couldn't play anymore. Now he's going to play two more years? I guess so. I, it's it's a very strange. It's very strange to me. I would have dumped a lot of the veterans. You already have veterans now in your starting lineup. You don't need those guys anymore. You know the whole run it back thing is good when the players throughout your lineup are contributing. But when you're really really not deep at all, and the guys in the back end of your bench can't get on the floor, can't can't be producers for your team, even with shortened playoff rotations, I I don't understand it. So look, we'll see what happens here. I think. You know, it's also it's always it's always tricky to keep a contender together because nostalgia plays a factor, right? You know, emotions play a factor more than they do in retaining, you know, a team at any other point when you don't win. So we'll see how it plays out. But you know, this is also the second day of NBA free agency, and I haven't heard a peep on what the Nuggets are doing. So we'll see how that plays out too. Yeah, well, the 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 nostalgia and the emotion. I mean, that's for us, for the fans, but. For the organization, that really I don't know. Factor Did in, you hear it? Michael Malone at the parade? Well, <laughs> I don't know if it's just for us, pal. Well, Is that's be going anywhere. Well, all right. So that's no. let's talk about that, right? Because James, I was I had James on about an hour ago, and we were having fun with it because James posted on his Twitter. Yeah, because everybody's <laughs> like, oh, oh, where's uh, where's the exposed takes on this one? Or you know, everybody's keeping receipts on me. Come on, right. man. Malone had some, he was feeling good. He had some uh, liquid stuff in him. He's just, you know, firing up the crowd. We got, uh, you know, 750,000, three quarters of a million people out here. He was feeling yeah. good. Come on now. You can't, you can't hold him to that, can you? No, no. I never held him to, I never held him to that in the first place at all. I thought that was just the liquor made me do it, you know? <laughs> and, and you know what? You get, a, everyone gets a pass at the parade. James is, James just, you know, James loves Michael Malone so much that, you know, sometimes I think that love gets in the way of his analysis. Well, you can say the the liquor made me do it, but what's the excuse for the tattoo? What do you mean the tattoo? He won a championship. I don't. I got. No, I have no problem with that either. What's that? What's wrong with that? Because he's a fifty some year old man, and you know. You, hey, hey, that is a personal decision. You want to get a tattoo? That is a. Per- if I won a championship as a head coach at the professional level. You could put a tattoo wherever you wanted. I guess tattoos are something you would, you know, you get it when they, when they took the flight to Vegas. You're you know, being a little hypocritical now. I don't have now. Any... You're being a little hypocritical. Why is that? Because I've seen your tribal tats. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. My body is a temple, young man. There's, <laughs> there are no tats on this temple. <laughs> oh, man. By the way, just to finish up this conversation, uh, somebody said, uh, I saw the Indiana Jones movie yesterday and enjoyed it. I'm no movie critic. Okay. I'm no, I'm no snob. I'm yeah. no snob like Matt Smith, but I, I base it on entertainment value. It's my second favorite in the series with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Being wow. First. Second favorite. That was Raj texting in. No, That's the was, only person it could possibly be. It was no Codan. It, it, it has been universally panned. So well, if you enjoyed it, I imagine that, again, you're an Indiana Jones fan. And I'm not telling you not to go enjoy these films. Like I, I, That's the thing. is I, I am definitely a movie snob. Well, but when it comes to franchises, I'll watch Indiana Jones, too. Well, I was going to say, being hypocritical, I mean, you, 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 you shovel all this... Uh, Top Gun and, and uh, Tom Cruise. I can still give, our, give you the guns. real. Can I not? Can yeah. I even? I mean, I'm, I can watch a movie, understand it's bad, come out, come away from it, tell you it isn't any good. No, you can't because you're you're. You know, I know it's tongue in cheek, but you're you're coming out with this to- this Top Gun nonsense. Like, well, nonsense. Like, like Top Gun Maverick. No, nonsense. Let's be honest about Maverick. Nonsense. Let's talk about it's it. You know, what I mean, let's go. You 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 have you are backing yourself into a corner here that you want no part of. I suppose. By the way, somebody else says Ocean's Eleven, another film, great film, bunch of uh, big... say, well, but yes, Ocean's Eleven was great. Twelve or thirteen? Does anyone want, or or eight? Does anybody want to come to the table with twelve, thirteen, or eight? Well, I don't well, that's think a different, that's a different conversation. You you started the, this interview saying anytime there's a movie with you know five to ten big A oh, list oh, actors. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. There are exceptions to the rule. Yeah. I'm thinking of like New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, you know, and then any Wes Anderson film. Really. <laughs> any Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Expendables, for example, right? Like I've never saw them. Oh my them. gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you lose brain cells watching those films. Yeah, exactly. All right, sir. Well, how you, uh, what, what's your plans for the, uh, do you love it? Like this, four, you, like you're like me though, right? Like you, you don't get days off, right? So, no, of course not. Four day, no. uh, four day holiday weekend or whatever. Like, are you going to be able to enjoy it? I haven't had a day off in years, Dan. No, I'll be, I'll be there rocking with you the third and the fourth. And then I'll be actually beyond the rest of the week because D Max out the rest of the week. So. See, there you go. There you go. Well, we'll be listening, uh, with bated breath. Look at you getting all the, you're going to fill in like a, you've been filling in for like a month straight here on the station. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I've had I've, I've had a great opportunity to connect with our listeners, and I'm thrilled to be able to do it. All right, fantastic, Matt Smith. We appreciate you as always. I'll see you tomorrow morning, Dan. We shall. We will see you then. I'll be listening on the way in to get something Sounds to kill you with when I get on my show. I will. I'll see if I can't come up with something a little controversial just for you. There we go. Perfect. That's Matt Smith. You can hear him tomorrow morning, 8 to 10 a.m. with Kyle Reese. And, of course, all next week, every single day next week, filling in uh, for various, uh, as our prima donnas go on vacation, uh, Matt Smith will uh, do the heavy lifting there as well. You want to react to Matt Smith now, you can do so on the RamosLaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Coming up next. All right, thanks to Matt Smith. With maybe. Ocean's 13 was a solid ending to the trilogy. 12 was just a transition piece to get back to Vegas. Uh, let me see. So I, I have trouble remembering. 12 was. Yeah, some of them I didn't. I didn't like the one where they brought in, like. What was her name? Um, Julia Roberts to pretend to be Julia Roberts. And that one was a little bad. But they all had, you know, the endings. I think I liked kind of the endings. I like the ending of Ocean's 
12. Ocean's 13, I think, was the one. Maybe they were overseas. Maybe I didn't love. My buddy that I worked with in Las Vegas was in Ocean's 11. Like, he was like a extra. He's in one of the casinos. But, yeah, for the most part, I, I liked them all. I watched them. Sorry, Dan. Maverick in 2022 was the best movie in a long time that was full of entertainment and not political or underlying messages to the fans in the theaters. That's Derek and Castle Rock. I mean, it was... It was, you know, it was just underwhelming to me. Like, I really thought they could have done a lot more with the 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 Goose, I don't know, Goose's son's character. Like, it was just really, especially because I really like that actor. I just, yeah, I just thought it was very contrived. Um, Well, like, for, what did we wait, 20 years for something? And, yeah, I just thought, I just didn't think it was all that well. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like a... A bad move. Parts of it were bad. Like, parts of it, yeah. Like, the ending, I thought actually was pretty bad. I'm trying to remember back to it, but, yeah. Parts of it, I thought, was was really bad. Um, Let's see here. Expendables is the best movie series ever. They were made to be so bad that they're great. That's from Fun Tommy. And Longmont. How fun are you, Tommy? Are you fun? Like, go to the parties? People are like, you want to go to the party tonight? I don't know. Well, fun Tommy's going to be there. Hey, let's go to Longmont. Fun Tommy's going to be there. You think that's how it goes down? Maybe. Let's see here. Top Gun Maverick has done for my kids what the original did for me. It's See, here we go. This is a truthful, um, you know, critique of it. It's a mindless action flick that's completely improbable but it makes people want to fly there you go it's mindless and you're right see there are movies i'm trying to think of some that when you look back you're like oh god how did i like that right like like top gun for example yeah the 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 scene on the beach you know the volleyball on the beach has absolutely no place and then they tried to do the same like they just have to have the formula right so now they got to do flag football on the beach or whatever football on the beach in the in the in the second one um, I don't know, man. Like, but there are certain movies, like when you were a kid, like, like here, here's an example. Red Dawn, right? Terrible, terrible movie. We can agree, but I, I still watch it and I still know it's terrible. But I, when I was nine years old, I loved watching those Wolverines from fictional Calumet, Colorado doing their thing. It was great, and so much so that I was really looking forward to the new remake, the one that Mark Schlereth was in, and it was terrible. But I don't know did did the kid I see did the kids that were watching the new one, the new terrible one, were they as connected to it as I was to watching the original terrible one? I don't think so. I think the original one. Is considered a terrible master. Is that a thing? A terrible masterpiece? Did I just did we, did that just happen? A beautiful disaster. Yeah. Did I just coin a new phrase? Can I trademark that? A terrible masterpiece. Maybe that could be the new phrase for the show. It's the Dan Jacobs show. A terrible masterpiece. Every Saturday and Sunday. Hey, uh, quick quick update. Uh, the Avs did just sign Miles Wood. That Matt was just ta- who Matt was just talking about. Okay, so they signed him. He's uh, forward for the ads. Going to be well, Carolina. So, uh, you know, predicting the future, he uh, tur- it came from the Devils to the Abs. 
There we go. Nice call, Matt. Good call, Matt. We got Miles Wood now. Stanley Cup, here we come. So, yeah, a, ter- a terrible masterpiece. See, we have a bunch of those from when we were kids. Like, um, see, now, the thing I'm going through now is, so we have something called movie night, family movie night. Right? I've got a five-year-old. She'll be six next month. And I want her to watch all the movies from when I was a kid, right? So I, I did. So E.T. was actually, it was a little young for her, but it was in the movie theaters last year. And I thought it was really special to be able to take her to see E.T., but, man, she was crying at the end. So I felt bad. Like, she was emotional about it. And I thought it was going to get a real – it's weird. My last, This is my final child. Um, but she she changed. Like, my other kids, like, like my first child just loved Dora. Like, that's all she watched was Dora, right? And then my other daughter, you know, she – I think she liked Dora, but you know, you know how kids like they dialed into things and that was their favorite. This kid, she just switches. Like she goes on like, okay, I love Barbie and then I love Bluey and then I love, um, oh God, what is it? The, uh, I can't even think of all the ones she gets into. Right. So I thought maybe she would get on an ET kick, but she didn't. So I'm trying to like go to all these nostalgic things that I loved because I made, I think we've talked about, I made the mistake. When my other kids were young, we had family movie night, and I just didn't realize how how graphic it was. And I actually got kicked out of family movie night. Can you believe that? I got thrown out of the family movie night because the rule was every week, you know, we rotated who got to pick the movie. And I picked Gremlins. You remember Gremlins? Yeah, yeah, I remember Gremlins. Yeah, you know, my kids were probably like, I don't know, like eight and four at the time, maybe three. Uh, okay, that, that's where that's where you got kicked out for. Yeah, is <laughs> the three or four year old. Well, in my brain, I was like, oh yeah, they were cute little things. I remember they got a little scary, you know, if they got wet. But it's a great movie. They're cute little magwise. It's all going to be great. It's a you know, it's a kids movie. It's fine. I didn't realize, like, how disgusting and nasty those things, in the end, I mean, it was a graphic, terrible movie, and they're like, dude, you're out. You're done. You're out of here. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I, di- I didn't mean mean about that. So um, I got thrown out then. So I'm trying to find movies now. Like, what, my five-year-old, we thought about Goonies. Um, she probably, you know, that's probably a little young for her. I was trying to find an American tale. You got to pay for that. But that'd be a good movie for her. We just watched Up, which is a great movie for her. We watched Tarzan, the cartoon. She liked that. So I'm trying to find these movies. You know, it was great. I, it was awesome. Remember, you guys remember where the red fern grows? Yeah. Where, where the dogs die. <laughs> my mom, my wife won't let me do it again. When my, my first daughter was five or six, I made her watch it. And um, now, you know, it's just, you know, it's a great book, but it's sad. You know, the dogs die at the end. One dies because it saves the kid from the cat. The other one dies of a broken heart because his buddy died. So I can't watch that. Old Yeller, is great, you know, can't watch that. But so anyway, I'm, I'm searching for nostalgia 
from what I was, you know, from my youth. So maybe Goonies will be on there. I'm trying to think of some other movies. If you got one, 303-713-1043. I was going to say never-ending story with the uh, scary big animal there. Yeah, that, see, uh, that, that's a weird one, but it, it was part of my childhood. It was mine, too, but that's just so terrible. Or, or the like, the what was it, The Secret of Nim? Oh, yes. With the scary, too. Were those puppets? What were those things? Yeah. What, uh, animatronics? Like, uh, or, like, live-action uh I can't remember what the exact term is for it. They were, they yeah. were creepy. Yes. Yeah. So remember they uh, those things were uh, crazy. Somebody says Beastmaster. Yeah, remember that? That was a show, right? It says Beastmaster. Loved it as a kid. Haven't watched it in 20 years. Forced my kids to watch it, and it's just as terrible. Oh, you know what? That reminds me of A-Team. I, I've watched all the A-Teams now. God, they're bad. And they also made, they were going to make a bunch of, and, then, and God, that's been 20 years since they've done that. Um, they were going to make a whole new series of 18 movies, and nobody was nostalgic enough about them. I think they made a TV show that had a few episodes, and it tanked. When was that? Like an 18 remake uh, five, seven oh, years ago. Man, I would have watched it was, that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they had a few 18 remake episodes. I don't think they got to the movie part. You're right. But I know there was uh, some 18 promotion. But, yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, the other one that uh, I go back, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. That was. Uh... Yeah. Somebody says uh, terrible masterpiece. Mars Attacks. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, somebody said the secret of Nim is animated. Well, then what am I thinking of? Remember? So, you guys, somebody remember. There was a movie that had those weird, creepy I thought it was a secret of them. They had the creepy, oh the, oh, the dark crystal. That's what it was. The last crystal, the dark crystal, something dark crystal. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. All yeah, right. dark crystal. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. It says, yeah, but Phoebe Cates and Gremlins, come on now. Yeah, baby. Um, yep, somebody's saying, that's it. Somebody's saying, the dark crystal movie. That's Nate and Thornton. Thank you, Nate. Yep, yep, there you go. All right, let's see this one. Um at least your daughter doesn't make you suffer through years of Barney. Does anybody want to hear the story of how I almost got into a fight at a Barney? Well, it's not a concert. It's a show, right? It's a Barney show. What do you call it? Like a Barney concert, Barney show? A Barney event. Um, Maybe. I'm just glad you didn't say, do you want to hear me sing the song? Because I, no, I was, I was going to be a hard no right away. That will never happen. We were going to break very quickly. I'll think about if I will reveal the time I was this close to getting into a fight at a uh, outside of a Barney event about 25 years ago. Uh, in the meantime, um, keep them coming on the RamosLaw.com text line. It's a terrible masterpiece, The Dan Jacobs Show.